the diaphragm and the pelvic floor by virtue of where they're related. The diaphragm is the roof of the core, the pelvic floor is the floor of the core. When one is sleepy, the other one is sleepy. When you wake one up, the other one will wake up. And that's one of the biggest secrets I think men and women need to understand about their pelvic floor health is that simple breath work can start the journey of improving that part of our body from the inside out. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and click that subscribe button down below. It's a little red button. You punch that and it's going to notify you every time we put out a new episode that can help you improve your bone health. And then also, if you haven't done so already, head over to bonecoach.com, sign up for the free seven day osteoporosis kickstart. That's going to walk you through everything you need to be doing right now to get on the path to improvement and stronger bones. After you do those two things, go ahead and press play on this episode and I'll see you inside. Welcome, welcome to this episode of The Bone Coach Show. Joining us today to explore why movement is medicine for healthy aging is Jana Danielson. Jana is an award-winning wellness entrepreneur who through her own experience with physical pain turned her mess into her message, which has now become her mission. She's an Amazon best-selling author, founder of Lead Pilates and Lead Integrative Health Therapies and the Meta District. She's the creator of the Cooch Ball, the world's first patented pelvic floor fitness tool for women. Jana has coached and consulted with thousands of women from all over the world to help improve their quality of life, their confidence, and their impact in the world. Jana, it's so great to have you with us today. Thanks for coming. Kevin, thanks for having me here. Well, I'm glad we're here. And like I always like to start out with everyone, I would love to understand you know, how you went from uh, the corporate world. I know the last time you and I talked, we talked about you were in the corporate world first and you made the shift into the health world, into this amazing, beautiful journey that's helping thousands of women all over the world. So I'd love to hear how you got there. For sure. So I, I feel like so many of us in this space, we were gifted some sort of journey and that just to make sure that we were on the right path to be able to impact others. And so my path was undiagnosed digestive pain. When I was young, you know, I'm the oldest of three kids, grew up on a, you know, a farm in um, Western Canada. And so there was like huge gardens and lots of room to run around and, and all those, you know, all those amazing things growing up as a kid, you know, that were given to me. And yet I would have these bouts of pain. And I can remember my mom taking me to the doctor and he just said, well, you know, give her Tums. And so I would, I was like eating Tums, like they were, you know, breath mints and and then, and then, then someone decided, well, oh, you're an A-type personality and you're firstborn and therefore you will be a little bit more high strung. You will be a little bit more of a high achiever. And then I was like, okay, well then, then this, I guess this pain is a good thing because it means that I, you know, I'm, I'm looking for more and to be more and do more. And then when I was in university, the pain actually started to become debilitating and I went through a two year journey of kind of like a, a track and field relay race. I was the baton being passed from doctor to specialist, to specialist to doctor, all looking for some sort of a diagnosis or a box to check. And that never happened. The only thing that happened was with each of those pit stops, there was more medication and more medication and more medication to the point where, you know, as a 21 year old, I was on 11 different medications and some medications were to counteract the side effects of other medications. And the challenge for me was on the outside, I seemingly looked healthy. You know, we, 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 we have this thought of what does health look like, but we don't often ask the question, what does health feel like? Mm 
And you can become very good at faking the look, but you cannot fake the feel of, you know, of health. And so I, you know, I was finally told by my medical team that they believed that the pain was in my head and that I was seeking attention and I should have a nice life. And it was, uh, it was horrible for me because I put all of my eggs into one basket, into that system to heal me. And so I did, I went into, I was just finishing my degree. My high school sweetheart uh, had just proposed to me and I was like, how, and I was supposed to be that girl that like in, in the, in the mid nineties, it was going to break through the glass ceiling in the corporate world and like take it by storm. And the three things that I wanted, I was like, how am I going to ever be a mom? Why would I marry this guy? It's like giving him a jail sentence. And, um, so I went into a depression and I felt like this was my life. And I, you know, you try and think of what did I, I wonder what I did. <laughs> what did I do to get handed this, this, you know, this hand of cards, I guess. And um, until one day I was at the grocery store and I looked over, you know how they have the magazine racks beside the checkout stand. And there was Madonna of all people on the cover of a fitness magazine. And it had the word Pilates. Like, and I didn't even, I thought it was like, what's Pilots? So, and I'm a huge Madonna fan, like, yes, material girl all over. So I bought it and I was like, what's Madonna doing? And whatever she's doing, I want to do. And Kevin, I took that magazine home. I didn't even put the groceries away. And I read the article and I reread it and I reread it and I reread it because as I was reading about this form of movement created by this man named Joseph Pilates, they had a a picture of this guy he, you know, German wearing these little white boxing shorts with this white turtleneck standing very stoic in this studio with this equipment. And I was like, what is this? And as I was reading the article, they talked about diaphragmatic breathing and spinal movement and posture. And then it went into the Madonna story. And there was a huge disconnect for me because I grew up with the belief system that Moving your body meant there had to be, for it to be worth it, there had to be a puddle of sweat on the floor. You know, if you woke up the next morning from a workout, from a boot camp, if you could walk down the stairs without shaky legs, you had damn well better go harder at the next workout. That's what I believed. And so when I read, was reading these words, I was like, what actually is this? It didn't make sense. So I did what I would normally do is when something doesn't make sense, I explore. And so I treated myself to a new Pilates mat and a water bottle and a new pair of leggings. And I found a Pilates mat class and I started going. And the first day it was like the instructor, she should have been talking like Japanese to me because I had no idea what she was saying. She was asking me to inhale through my nose and feel my belly rise and exhale. And there were, they were, people were making these noises around me and they were, you know, doing these bridging exercises. And I looked like the tin man after a heavy rain, my body was clunky. It was not smooth. I was slightly embarrassed because I walked in, looked at all the bodies, right? Because there was the look of health and the feel of health. And I looked at them all and I was like, I got this, right? And that wasn't the case. And that's what started my journey. I was, I became hooked because this form of movement was so foreign to me. But as I kept going twice a week, I started noticing that, you know, there was one medication in particular that if I did not take it at noon, like on the dot, if I miss it even by 10 minutes, and I don't know if it was in my head, I, my pain would just come like a wave. And I remember laying at my, on my desk at work, 
laying over the corner of the desk, pulling the desk into me just to give some pressure to my stomach before a meeting. And I would notice like, oh, geez, it's 1230. How did I miss that pill, right? And then I was like, wait a minute. The only thing I'm changing is my breathing and my moving and my focusing on posture. What if I started to play with these medications and not take them at the, you know, take less of them or, or spread them out? And I can tell you by, that was September of 99, by Christmas of that year, I had weaned myself off of all 11 of my medications. My, the look of health for me completely changed. The feeling of health for me completely changed. And I just needed to know more. And that's really what was the catalyst or the spark for me to be like, I know I'm a business, you know, I did my undergraduate degree and my graduate degree in business, but I was like, I need to learn about the body. And I just dove into any anatomy and physiology kinesiology book I could find and then I got certified as an instructor in 2008 and um, kind of the rest is history I started teaching out of my basement that went from four classes to 16 classes a week I opened my first studio in 2010 that grew very quickly and then I was like wait what if I could bring under one roof clinicians like chiropractors and naturopathic you know doctors and osteopaths and Reiki and reflexology. What if under one roof, all these people could come together? And that's what I did at my studio and my clinic. And then I wanted to bring my, you know, love for movement online. And the Meta District was born in 2019. And then dabbling in women's health, because I was so frustrated by the fact that no one would talk about the pelvic floor or what was going on after being a mom or in menopause. And so that's really been my journey and how I've become a champion for health, for women primarily. And then a lot of women will draw their, you know, their partners or special men in their life like, hey, come and do this with me. And so I am so, I am, now I can say that I'm grateful for my pain because it brought me to where I am. What a great story. And and I love how you said at the end there that, you know, people are then bringing their partners or significant others, other people into this too, because moving, uh, feeling healthy, being healthy, all those things are important for everybody too. And I know you talked about, we talked about at the beginning, this concept of movement is medicine. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about why is that important and what are, what are some of the components of that too? For sure. So Joseph Pilates, if, if, there's an, he wrote an amazing book. He wrote it in the 1920s. It was called Return to Health. And that book could have been written last week. That's how forward thinking he was. And what Joseph Pilates said was, the health of the body is dictated by the health of the spine. So he goes further to explain, you can have a 30-year-old body, but if that body has a spine like a 70-year-old, that's the quality of life that body will experience. However, You can have a 70-year-old body, 70 candles on a birthday cake, and if the spine is like a 30-year-old, that is the quality of life that body will enjoy. And so he really had a recipe. So if you think of it like if you're going to make chocolate chip cookies, um, the recipe for healthy spinal movement has five components, all right? The first component was what's called spinal flexion. And so if you were, if you're sitting listening to this, um, if you... Feel those bony butt bones that you're sitting on. If you curl those tiny butt bones forward, like kind of tuck your tailbone between your legs, that's spinal flexion, all right? And spinal flexion done properly is appropriate for any body. 
a body that has a disc issue, a body that has rheumatoid arthritis, um, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, osteopenia, a little bit of flexion is really important. Deep flexion, that's a different story. We want to make sure that that's drawn out of, you know, that person's realm of movement. But subtle flexion is really important because think about it. You can't just cut a spinal movement out of your day, right? You can't, how would you put your socks on? How would you pick up, you know, a bag of groceries from the floor? So spinal flexion and what that does, why is that important? When you curl your tailbone just slightly between your legs, you'll notice this little bit of drawing of the belly button back toward your spine. It's actually an inside out benefit. You're using this as an internal massage for your organs. So you're stimulating all of that organ tissue so that those organs can do their job better, right? And you're getting a little bit of a little bit of stretch in the low back. So spinal flexion is the number one component. Number two, the opposite of flexion is called extension. So um, a lot of people. So if you if you saw a, a if you were watching fireworks, let's say, a lot of people would you know hang their head off of their spine and they wouldn't be able to watch those fireworks, or they have to really really back up. Lifting your head or taking that last sip of wine out of a glass or, you know, watching a plane go overhead. This is not spinal. I mean, it's spinal extension. But the extension I'm talking about is if you were zipping up a jacket right from that belly button. And if you were to zip and zip and zip and then watch those fireworks or take that last sip of wine. Now what you're doing in that process is you are engaging the core around the spine to support. I could stay here. If I was watching an air show, I could stay here for a long time. If I was here watching an air show, all the fancy planes go by, I would have to get a massage the next day because my neck would be really sore. Okay. What spinal extension also does is it opens the heart. So it's got a very emotional, um, kind of energy to it. And so for a lot of people, when there's been pain or there's been a lack of confidence and they're very, their posture will show it. When we start to teach them to open up, it can be very emotional, like tears. Okay. The third movement is rotation. Okay. So very basic, you know, you make a shoulder check, someone calls your name, side bending. And then the fifth movement is if you were laying down on the floor on a mat and your knees were bent and your feet were on the floor, if you lifted your hips off the ground in a little bit of a bridge, when your tailbone gets higher than your heart, gravity gets to work on the spinal fluid in a little bit of a different way. And that's the fifth component of the recipe. Now, why is this important? We have millions of nerve endings that plug into the spine like lights on a Christmas tree. And when the spine doesn't move, you know, freely, it's going to impact the nerves and that some of those nerves are um, sensory nerves. Some of those nerves are motor where they're sending messages from your brain. So it really can impact digestion, circulation, um, hormones. Like it just, the list goes on and on. And so that really is the fundamental framework for movement as medicine. And then of course we sprinkle things like you know, more posture and breathing and hydration on top of that. And let's talk about those one, those pieces too. Let's talk a little okay. bit about um, the, the posture, the breathing, uh, and then the hydration. Okay. So let's go in that order. So posture, let's talk about standing posture first. Most people stand 
with about 80% of their weight on their forefoot, okay? Under their toe pads, there's knuckles where your toes connect into your foot, there's knuckles called metatarsals. So, so many of us live with our weight forward. Here's what happens. Now, I'm not an engineer, but if you think of, there's 26 bones in each foot, okay? There's one big solid bone at the back, your heel bone called the calcaneus. Then there's 25 other small little bones, they're funny shaped, so let's just think about this. If there is a solid bone, one, and there's 25 other little tiny bones, which one do you think is in charge of stability? And which one, or holdings, which one do you think, or which group do you think is in charge of moving or mobility, right? So our hands and our feet are meant for, for movement, right? So here's the problem. When we load our small bones, which are meant for movement, the, those bones are like, okay, wait, wait. I thought I was meant to move. I thought I was meant to twist and turn and run and jump. And, you know, when I'm on this trail and it's, it's uneven surface, I thought I was supposed to be able to be moving this body safely with this uneven terrain. And, and wait, you're telling me that I'm the holder? Okay, I'll be the holder. And then all those little joints in the foot that are supposed to be moving, they stop moving. And we get things like plantar fasciitis or we get hammer toes. We get a lot of foot dysfunction because we're not assigning the right work to the right part of the foot. Here's the posture formula. You bring 60% of your weight back to your heel bone. And you take 40% of your weight across the widest part of your foot. And when you can find that sweet spot, all of the muscles from the feet up toward the top of the head are going to do exactly what their job is. It, it, it 100%. So when I talk about posture gang, don't think about all of the hundreds of bones. Get your weight properly in your feet, 60 in your heels, 40 across the widest part of your foot. Then take this bowling ball, a.k.a. your head, bring it back, like almost like you're making a double chin, bring it back on that invisible headrest. If you set your head and if you set your feet, everything else in between, by virtue of where it's located, is going to go where it's supposed to go. Now, it might not like it because maybe it's used to being here. And you set your head and these shoulders are like, I really don't want to go here. Right. So that's how important the spine is to posture, because once you can start to understand how these pieces work together and it's pretty simple, it makes a huge difference. All right. So that's the posture piece. The hydration piece, your body uses hydration in a priority system. OK, think of it like a triangle. The first part of your body to get hydrated when you take your first sip is your brain. Okay, so if you live in a state of brain fog, like, did I send that email? Where are my keys? You actually might be living with a dehydrated brain. A dehydrated brain will also show itself as low-grade headaches above the brow line and low-grade headaches above the, or at the hairline. And that sensation like your eyes are sinking into the back of your head. Here's the deal. If that is the top of the pyramid and the brain isn't even hydrated, there's no way the second layer, which are your vital organs, and the third layer, which are the tissues of your bones, your joints, your muscles, 
you are living in a dehydrated vessel and that is not great because inflammation is usually what follows a chronically dehydrated body. If my joint structures don't have the grease, remember I talked about the Tin Man? If I don't have the hydration, the fluidity of blood and muscle and you know to, to work against fascia, if that ease is taken away, I have no choice but to live in dis-ease. And when there's dis-ease, that's where those things like inflammation will start to show themselves. And where do, what, what happens? We get tendonitis, we get golfer's elbow, we get tennis elbow, right? We get, we get bursitis, those things. Hydration is absolutely critical to the body being able to use its own healing mechanisms to provide, well, the internal healing that our body can do. And sometimes it needs a little bit of help. All right. Um, so hydration. And here's what I'm going to say. This is how I'm going to start linking this. Your bladder is not going to love you. If you decide one day I am going, today is the day I'm going, you know, there's so many formulas for hydration. You take, you know, drink your weight in ounces, right? You, you know, eight cups of water, whatever, you know, you Google and find, I'm going to say, don't do that. Don't do that. Cause your bladder is not going to love you. And as a pelvic floor <laughs> champion, your pelvic floor is not going to love you. So if water is something that isn't on your agenda, just start with a glass of water. And I'm going to suggest drink it first thing in the morning, wake up your thirst mechanism, and then you're going to be craving a few sips throughout the day. The longer in the day you wait, the more dull or sleepy that thirst mechanism is going to get. And it's going to be way longer for you to reach for that, um, that water bottle. Now, caffeine lovers, take note. You can count 16 ounces of caffeine into your hydration formula, two cups of coffee, two cups of tea, no problemo, right? Just know that more than that, that caffeine becomes a diuretic. And now you got to drink more water to manage the the dehydration that's going on from that caffeine, all right? Now, the last piece you wanted me to touch on, Kevin, was breathing, all right? Breathing is, as Joe Pilates said, it's the first and the last act of life, and somewhere in the middle, we forget how to do it, all right? Now, those of you that have had the beautiful experience to watch a newborn baby breathe, they're laying on their back, their bellies are rising and falling with every, they are breathing like, they are taking every ounce of air in and every ounce of air out. And then we become, we become teenagers and we start worrying about what does that look like on me? I got to get a pair of tighter jeans. And I might know this from experience as a child of the late 80s and early 90s, laying on my bed with a coat hanger, trying to zip up my acid wash jeans so they could be as tight as possible, right? What do you think that's doing? Or today with the waist trainers that have become so trendy, when you take space away, that those tissues, that pressure has to either go up or that pressure either has to go down. So we learn how to really lose our breath. Figuratively, we lose our breath because we start breathing with these little muscles in our neck. They're called the scalenes and the sternocleidomastoids. But these little muscles already have a job they hold this bowling ball on top of it like a bobblehead doll. And now we're saying, oh yeah, by the way, little they're like little beef jerky strips, okay? So then we say to them, oh yeah, and by the way, you're also going to be in charge of breathing for this body. 
even though there's this big, beautiful mushroom cap umbrella shaped muscle in our ribs called the diaphragm, which is just like craving some work. And so that's what the diaphragmatic breath does. It wakes up our diaphragm. It allows the, the neck to chill out. So if you are someone that has chronic neck tension, it could be because you've assigned breathing to these muscles for decades. And the important piece about the diaphragm is that when it doesn't work, it's not if, but when pelvic floor dysfunction will arrive in your body. The diaphragm and the pelvic floor, by virtue of where they're related, the diaphragm is the roof of the core, the pelvic floor is the floor of the core. When one is sleepy, the other one is sleepy. When you wake one up, the other one will wake up. And that's one of the biggest secrets I think men and women need to understand about their pelvic floor health is that simple breath work can start the journey of, you know, improving that part of our body from the inside out. Wow. Thank you so much for making that connection there and for drawing out those visuals, even for people that are just listening to that, you can, you can visualize exactly what you're talking about here. So I'm glad you, uh, you brought that around and you also mentioned fat fascia, right? Mm -hmm. So we have the skeletal system, the, mu yes. uh, the muscular system, the fascial system. A lot of people may have, may hear the word fascia and be like, what is, what is that? So can you talk a little bit about what fascia is and then how it relates to our movement? Also. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So fascia is connective tissue in our body. Now, what does that actually mean? So let's compare it to muscle. Most muscles start and end at a joint structure. So your bicep muscle will start at your elbow and at your shoulder, your quadriceps start at your hip and at your knee. Fascia is not like that. Visualize fascia as spider web type tissue. Okay. And when it's healthy, um, girls of the late 80s and early 90s, it's like when we used to crimp our hair, it's got a little bit of that crimp accordion shape to it um, when it's healthy. Now, what makes it healthy? Hydration, movement, and posture. What makes it less healthy? Dehydration, over-caffeination, poor posture will add to it. There's a fantastic, it's, it's a little bit dated, but if you want to see fascia in action, there's a video on YouTube by Gil Headley. It's called The Fuzz Speech, and it's about 20 minutes. He takes a camera inside a body, and you can actually see fascia in action. It's, it's, it's amazing. But here's the deal with fascia. Fascia should, in a properly hydrated, postured, you know, well-slept, well-fed body, Fascia and muscle should glide along each other like a little kid going down a water slide, okay? There should be freedom. And when there's freedom between muscle and fascia, there's also the ability of oxygen-rich, nutrient-rich blood to get to the muscle fibers. And that's how our muscles live, right? Here's the problem. When fascia becomes unhealthy, and you're not going to feel this happening until potentially years later, Think of a boa constrictor snake wrapping itself around you. That restriction is what fascia does to muscle when fascia is not healthy. And it will wrap, it will bind, it actually binds or sticks to muscles, organs, bones at a force of 2,000 pounds per square inch. So it's very sticky. And unlike muscle that you can stretch, you know, do a bicep stretch or do a quadriceps stretch, um, fascia can't be stretched. It needs heat 
and force or very slow. There's massage therapists that specialize in myofascial release, very slow, light touch release. Um, that's what fascia responds to. So why is this important? When our fascia is unhealthy, because we live on a planet with gravity, it is 99% proven that our posture comes like a DNA helix. It'll come forward and down and we get stuck. All right. This is important because even if you're doing good movement and you're stretching and you're, you know, doing weight resistance uh, training and you're going for your walks, the ability to improve your strength or improve your flexibility is limited by that boa constrictor snake that's wrapped around every fiber of your muscle. It's kind of like marble cheese, right? That's how fascia and muscle will look. So what do you do? Um, even if you have like a tennis ball, okay? A tennis ball against the wall rolling out through your shoulders is magic. If you have a foam roller or even a rolling pin and you can roll out your legs, um, you know, knee pain can be drastically improved because we have this big thick piece of fascia on the side of our legs between the knee and the hip. It's called the iliotibial band. It's thick. It's like Canadian back bacon. Think about those two joints. The hip is a ball and socket. The knee is a hinge. When that fascia becomes tight, the ball and socket is going to win every time. The knee is going to become compromised as a hinge joint. And so, so much of the knee pain we experience is not the function of the joint. It's the function of the forces being put on the joint by that. It's like a tug of war. That fascia is pulling and pulling and pulling. And all you need to get is, is, a, is a get your rolling pin out and have someone roll the side of your leg. And, and here's another thing, ladies. Cellulite is fascia that has puckered to the outermost layer of our skin. We live on a planet with gravity, the skin gets drawn down and we get that cottage cheese kind of look and texture to our skin. There is energy frozen in fascia. It's called fat. We need fat in our body to use as energy. But when it's frozen like in a ice cube, how do we get to it? So when you start to release your fascia, you'll feel warmth in that area. You might feel some tingling in that area. And that's exactly what you want because that's how you know that you're melting through those layers. There's these little tributaries of, of blood. Think of like, you know, melting snow in the springtime on your street. You get these little tributaries of, you know, that are of water that are being drained. Um, that's exactly what's happening in your body. And so, you guys, it's, the thing of it is it's so simple. If you're looking for complicated, it's not here. The body wants and needs simple things. Sometimes the brain just needs to understand how to connect the dots and because it looks for something more. Like, it can't be that easy. There's got to be way more to it than that. And it's really about three minutes a day of focusing on that that can make a world of difference in your body. And I know you were talking about using maybe a tennis ball or something like that to release fascia. Now I know you have something called, I think it's the cooch ball, right? The cooch ball and the gooch ball. Tell us a little bit about what yeah. that is and yeah. how it's used and can it be used for the, the ways that you were just yes. sharing? Yeah. Okay. For sure. So um, if you're watching, this is the cooch ball. It's also co-branded as the gooch ball. So this was my solution to a problem 
that I was seeing every day in my business with men and women coming to see me. Nobody was talking about pelvic floor health. It was like zip the lip, but yet my inbox would be full of emails with people saying, hey, when you talked about that today in class, that's actually me. And how can, you know, what can I do? So this product, um, I was, I remember complaining to my husband one night at supper, like back in like 2018, like I'm sick and tired of men and women, you know, not talking about this part of their health and wellness. And he's like, well, then do something. Could you stop complaining? Cause I've been, you've been complaining for months. Could you just do something about it? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, create something. If there's nothing out there that gets what you're looking for in the body, make something. And I was like, something so I did I ended up I I it's it's a patented product it's got a utility patent and a design patent on it how this works is exactly what I just said you sit on it so it's a little bit you make it a little bit squishy but you sit on it like a, a hen sitting on her eggs in a nest and the weight of the body on the ball and the way the ball is made creates this perfect storm of blood flow to the tissues of the pelvic floor. There's no foam roller we can use for a pelvic floor. I'm a huge believer in pelvic floor physiotherapy. And I mean that the, the internal treatment of physiotherapy for the pelvic floor for women and for men, this is a complement or a prevention tool or the start of someone's learning about their pelvic floor. So that's, that's how the connection really works is that the pelvic floor has tissues, fascial tissue, muscular tissue. There's a lot of nerves down there. And when it is, when there's a vacancy of nutrient-rich, oxygen-rich blood, the dysfunction is going to become overwhelming for the body. And then we buy into the belief system that we need to take a little pink or a little blue pill as a guy for erectile dysfunction, or we buy into the fact that we got to go and get you know, um, incontinence product, because that's the only way we can avoid embarrassment. And in most cases, that's not how it, how it goes. Research done by Dr. Bruce Crawford, who is a urogynecologist from Reno, Nevada, said in 90% of the cases, pelvic floor dysfunction is a fitness slash movement issue and not a medical issue. So ladies and gentlemen, nine out of 10 of us do not need to go, you know, down the path of surgery or some other treatment we need to just understand how to move our body, how to have proper posture, how to activate. It's like any other muscle. How do you work it? How do you rest it? And you have to create the environment for that first. And that's what the cooch ball does. It works for pelvic floors that are too tight because it gives you the release. It works for pelvic floors that are lacking tone because of the diaphragmatic breathing that we do on this ball. And then I use mine from head to toe. I have a whole little anti-aging um, little procedure I do on my face, gut health. I, I use it for my gut. I use it on my hips and my glutes for that cellulite work. I, my knee health, my back, my back health. So it really is a head to toe, um, tool that is easy to throw in a suitcase if you need to. And, you know, that's how I kind of connected all of my dots between, you know, movement as medicine being the spinal movements, the posture, the hydration, the breathing, and it all plugs into each other. That's the beautiful thing is when you impact one, it's like this, you're just, it's like a, 
it's like a star. It's just this bright beam of light because now you're impacting all these other systems as well. And I love that you saw something that there was a need. There was, a, you mentioned specifically, you know, most of the situations don't require a surgery. There are other things you could do. And I see this in, in a lot of situations too. If you, a lot of times, if you go to a surgeon, they're probably going to recommend surgery, right? Some of those, some of the, they're, they're going to recommend the tool that they have in their toolkit. Sometimes it takes pausing, investigating or exploring some alternative methods or some different ways of approaching things for you to come to maybe the right solution for you that didn't require surgery in the first place. So, so glad that you created a product, you saw the need and you're helping a lot of people with that. And I know we're almost up on our time here, but I know we, we have, you have a, a healthy pelvic floor webinar that's taking place really soon. And I think our audience would be really, really, uh, you know, it'd be a treat for them to be able to join that just because uh, you're clearly very knowledgeable in this area. You've got a lot of experience and I think you'd be able to help a lot of people. So could you tell us a little bit about your healthy pelvic floor webinar? Yeah. So uh, July 7th, one o'clock Eastern daylight time is when it is. 2020, really July 7th, 2022 for everybody uh, listening yes. later in the future. Right. That's right. Thank you for that. That's okay. um, what I, what I do is I really, we, we spend 60 minutes together and we dive into this concept of, of pelvic floor health. We debunk some of the myths we dive a little bit into some of the anatomy and it's not like an anatomy class, but I believe that if you can't even visualize where these pieces of your body are located in relation to each other, how can you then make constant daily, you know, just get it on your radar, focus on your pelvic floor. So again, you know, like today's experience with Kevin and I, I'm, I'm all about simplicity. Don't get me complicated because I am not, I'm not going to buy into it and it's not going to become a part of my lifestyle. So that's how I built the healthy pelvic floor webinar out is, you know, I want you to take away one to three hints and tips and tools that when I say goodbye on that webinar, you can do like immediately. And that's really what it's what it's all about. It's meant to inspire because I think a lot of people feel, and it's for men and women. I need to, to I want to be clear on that. Um, you know, erectile dysfunction, f function of the body post prostate cancer. Like boys have pelvic floors too, and if we think we don't talk about it from a female perspective, we definitely do not acknowledge it or talk about it from a male's perspective. And so. I want to, you know, I want to change the narrative on that. And, um, and it, it works because I actually overheard my husband talking to a few of his golf buddies one day about how he's driving the ball further off the tee because of his gooch ball. And they're like, what are you actually, he's like, oh no, really? Like I'm emptying my bladder. Like the bedroom is heated up. Like, and they're like, what? Right. So then they're all like, well, I got to get one of those. So, um, Men, please don't just think this is a, this is a woman's issue because it really isn't. And that's what I want to, that's what I want to showcase at the webinar. So I would love for you to join me. That's great. And, and so for those of you who can join live July 7th, 2022, 1 PM Eastern, the link is going to be right below the show notes. If you can't join live, I'm sure there's going to be an opportunity for you to join an evergreen version or something like that, maybe some point in the future. Um, yeah. We can link to that in the show yeah. notes. You know what I was going to suggest is 
even if you can't watch live, go to the show notes, register, because we're going to send out the recording 24 hours after anyways. And then you can either rewatch or you can find a time that you can um, carve out of your day to, to watch it after that. Perfect. Um, yeah, so that's great. And Jana, this has been really such a pleasure. You touched on some things that I haven't heard other people share on our podcast before, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's always great to explore, you know, different perspectives on, on movement, on health, on pelvic floor. So it was really a pleasure to have you here today. So thanks so much. Thanks for having me. For everyone listening, you can find all the resources, show notes, everything mentioned here today over at bonecoach.com forward slash Jana Danielson Pelvic Health. I want to thank you again so much for your time. We'll see you in the next episode. Hey, it's Bone Coach Kevin Ellis. Hope you found that episode helpful and that you enjoyed it. Just one last reminder, if you haven't done so already, head over to bonecoach.com, sign up for your free seven-day osteoporosis kickstart. It's going to tell you everything you need to do to start getting on the path to improvement. Hope you found this helpful. I'm your Bone Coach Kevin Ellis. I'll see you soon.